1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We are in a series called God's Prophetic Schedule. Schedule, I'll say schedule, schedule, or schedule, whatever it is there. God's plan for the ages. Uh, last time was the day of the Lord. This time is a thief in the night. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you would follow along as I read there once more our text. By the, but the times of the seasons, brethren, you have not need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, there's our emphasis, the day of the Lord, so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not, uh, therefore, let us not sleep as others do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God, praise the Lord, hath not, and I added it there, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. And edify, build up one another, even as also even as also ye do. May the Lord's blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, help me this morning that I would say nothing amiss, that I would be hidden behind the scripture. Lord, I want to preach you, preach Christ, nothing about me, but all about you and your plan, particularly, specifically for the ages and how this day of the Lord uh, comes about, what it means, and how we are to be prepared. So Lord, help me this morning that I would, again, speak with your power, with your spirit, please. Be with those teaching downstairs. Be with the Stevenses now as they make their way to Columbus and bless Seth on his missionary adventure the next seven months. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we are in First uh, Thessalonians. Last time we talked some basics about the coming of the Lord for his church, for his people. There's some differences now between the rapture of the church, which we are very much looking forward to, and his second coming back to rule and to reign. So Paul has introduced a new subject in chapter 5. In chapter 4, it was what happens to those who have trusted Christ and already gone to heaven, and he tells them clearly they're going to come back with him in First Thessalonians chapter 4. What a wonderful passage I read it at almost every internment I do. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4.17. What a wonderful promise. God's going to come back for his church, for his bride, and we look forward to that. But, be, but after that, there's going to come this difficult day called the day of the Lord, the great day of the Lord. And it comes in verse 2 as a thief in the night. I believe in the 70s, there was a reel-to-reel film called A Thief in the Night. You still may be able to buy that on DVD. It was very much about being prepared for the, the coming of the Lord Christ for his church. So on the back of your bulletin, I took the liberty today to put the exact little uh, handy-dandy short-term fill-in outline on the back of your bulletin. Should you want to follow that along, you can just fill it right in there. So there's got blanks for you and some spots to put your other stuff in there. If you want to do that, you do not have to do that. I, it's just something if you want to follow along. I take notes in Sunday school. 
It helps me to grasp better what we're being taught and learning together. So if you want to do that, uh, I'm not going to promise every Sunday you're going to have that little handy-dandy outline there. I'd have borrowed it from Carl Brogge anyway. So there we go. So if you want to do it, there we go. We're taking right off. We're hitting the... We're, Lifting off now to do the plain motif, the meaning, the meaning of the day of the Lord. Chapter 5, verse 1. But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, because he has already wrote, talked to them about that earlier on. But of the times, the word chronos there, we get our idea of chronology. Seasons, we get refers to a point in time. So as a general time and as a point in time, there was no need to write unto you Christians at Thessalonica. There was no need because I've already done that. I've already re- read the first four chapters. Now we know that when Paul wrote this letter, there were no chapter divisions. As a matter of fact, it wasn't until 1200s that there were chapter divisions. It wasn't until the 1500s that there were verse divisions as you see them now. I tell you, it's quite helpful though. Can you imagine going to Isaiah? Isaiah, about mm, 50 pages over, about four or five lines down, and about the third word, we're going to start this way. We can turn Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Get right there, we all get so. And, uh, so praise the Lord for whoever had the, uh, I forget his name was, in 1551 that gave the, the verse divisions. Now they're not perfect. Sometimes I wish they were a little bit different, but here we go. So we find he is talking the times and seasons. Paul's already talked about those things. You need not, brethren, for you have no need that I write unto you. Now, this question's been asked before. In the Olivet Discourse, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So there's been questions about what's going to happen in the future. I think it's a very popular topic even today as we see the harbingers of the world going awry. And by the way, there's a lot of harbingers of the world going awry. You could just choose one day in the world culture and you will see how our world is rapidly, in my mind's eye, we could be getting ready for this tribulational period, the day of the Lord. But it could be a long time yet. I'm certainly not going to set dates. We find then that it was interesting that Dwight Pentecost, when he was teaching down in Dallas, said these words. Uh, he said, those who leave little room for mystery leave lots of room for mistakes. And so we find here, but the day of the Lord knoweth no man. I don't know when he's coming back for his church. It's interesting. I've always thought of the thief in the night as, as we talk about the rapture of the church. We, we might apply it there. But the thief is you're not prepared. You're not prepared. I'm not prepared. If a thief comes to our house this morning, I hope the cats rip him up one side and down the other. If he can, but they're not prepared. They're going to run to the farthest ends of the house, I can tell you, especially the gray cat. He's afraid of his own shadow, I think. But the, the thief in the night were just not prepared. You know, a thief never sends you a note. Mrs. Stevenson, I am going to come to your house on next Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, and I hope you're gone because I'm going to. They don't do that. They just come to your house and hopefully you're gone, you're not prepared, and they're going in and out quick and get, they're just not ready. Do you think our world is ready for Christ's return? Oh my goodness, no. They're going to say peace and safety, all is going well. And just the opposite is going to happen. Matter of fact, if you turn over to Acts chapter 1, verse 7, this times and seasons, Jesus said for us in Acts chapter 1, verse 7, if you want to turn over there, with me, it says for us here, and he said unto them, Acts 1, 7, just before it goes to heaven, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. 
Let me tell you, if you knew exactly, the world knew exactly Jesus Christ is coming back on January the 31st, 2024, they're going to say, I'm going to live like the devil until, and then the last day, I'm going to get right with God, and then I'm going to get saved and go to heaven, but I'm going to do everything I want. I just mad, not everybody, but some would. They would get lackadaisical. Well, I don't, go, I don't have to do these things. I've got, I've got three more days. No, you need to get right now because we don't know. And the Bible, why is the Bible sometimes so difficult to understand? If you could understand everything in the Scripture the very first time you read it, I don't need to read that anymore. But the Bible is living and breathing the prophecies. If you want to get difficult, we're getting into minor prophets. They're, they're hard sometimes to wade through sometimes. But there's so many good nuggets there and what God has planned for the, for the earth, for the world, for his children. So don't let me be discouraged about that. Keep, keep on keeping on. We find then, he says in verse 1, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, I have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. I would ask you this morning, before I leave, leave this verse, are you ready? If the Lord comes back today, what would you, if you stood before God today, why should he let you in heaven? That's a great question, by the way, to ask the person when you're witnessing to them. If you were to stand before God today, why, why would God let you in heaven? The only answer that's going to fly. I trusted Christ for the forgiveness of my sin, and I invite him to my heart, and I've asked him to be my Savior. I repented of my That's the only answer. He is the only way. The Bible's clear about that. If you're if you're relying on something else, you're on the wrong path. The wrong path. You yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Well, pastor, I want you to know that I know the apostle Paul was in that church of Thessalonica for 13 years before he ever got around the prophecy. Three weeks. He was there three weeks. There three weeks. He thought it was so important that they know. What's going to happen in the future? By the way, one-third to one-quarter of all the Bible's prophetic. So we have to talk about prophecy if we're going to try to cover all things in Scripture. So we, three weeks, he's talked to him about these things already. So number one, if you're still with me and have not gone to sleep yet, we find under the, the uh, meaning is the length of the day. The length of the day. We find here in our text, for yourselves, know perfectly that the day of the Lord, so cometh as a thief in the night. Now that word day, it has come under a lot of scrutiny regarding creationism. Uh, and sometimes the day could be daylight, Old Testament, simply the day. It's, it's day, it's day, daylight now. Sometimes it would be the hours between when the sun rises and when the sun sets. That would be day. Yom in the Hebrew language uh, in chapter 1 of Genesis is the Perennial use of it with a cardinal or ordinal numeral always means a literal 24-hour period whenever used with a number. So the day, a 24-hour period, that's so important for us to remember when talking about creationism, which I was just talking about this past Friday with someone. 24-hour days, by the way, that lets aside or puts aside theistic evolution, which says simply that God started everything and let it go on his own for millions of years, or progressive creationism, that God has progressively created things over millions of years, or the gap theory, or geological age. It puts all that aside. There's but one response to a literal, historical, grammatical reading of God's word. It is a literal 24-hour day creation week. It's 
That's what I have held to, continue to hold to, till, till, till I go to heaven. There's, there's no, you cannot fit millions and millions of years in the Bible anywhere, although we are taught. And is, doesn't it not get under your skin sometimes? The media will say to you, well, this happened millions of years ago. They never, ever have a biblically based chronology about, well, maybe six to 10,000 years. There's nothing ever like that. It's millions and billions. How did you know? I heard one of the greatest refutations of, of evolution. I know it's not my text here, but I've just got to share this with you. Who creates, or how is your soul created? How is your soul created? Who, who, who creates the soul? The real you. Now, is there a soul-making machine up, up in heaven somewhere? Well, I'm going to give it heaven. Is there a soul-making machine somewhere that... Well, that would be a physical, a particle-based thing. So that can't be a soul because the real me, you can't see my soul, my spirit. You don't you see my body I'm concurrently inhabiting. But the real me, I have, there's something you just can't see. So who makes the soul? How does a particle-based system, how does a particle molecular-based system generate a non-particle system? How can the physical generate the non-physical spirit? How can it do it? It cannot. And therefore, evolution has no legs because you cannot generate a spirit from even the amoeba, when animals get together, they have another animal. They don't have that eternal spirit. If a humankind, apart from God, would just have another humankind. But the real you, I'm telling you, the only answer, God gives you life. God does it. You cannot take something material and make something immaterial. God has done it. Evolution cannot produce the spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's molecular. It's particle. It's physical. Evolution has no answer for the, the real who you are. I have the answer. It's the same answer it's always been along. God. God did it. So just put that in your hat and stew on that for a while. We find that our world wants to, this length of day has been so controversial. If you'll just hold your finger here, a verse I told a gentleman just past Friday, Exodus 20, verse 11, please. Exodus 20, 11. This word day, how do we know this word day in Genesis is truly 24 literal hours that God intended it to be an example for us? Well, it's right here in Exodus. From I would say something, by the way, back to our previous topic of molecular and spiritual, even the world will caveat to, yes, I believe my spirit lives somewhere. Only annihilationists will say it's completely demolished. The world will say, yes, I'm going to heaven. What's going to heaven? Well, what's, your body's here. What's, well, I'm going to heaven in my spirit. Oh, yes, so you have a real, so even the world will say there's something besides the physical. Back to our text, Exodus 20, verse 11. What are the first four words? Four in six days. The Lord made heaven and earth. What is the context? Now, what is the context of any scripture? The verses before it? The verses after it? What the whole context of the meaning is? What is the context of Exodus chapter 20, verse 11? It is called the 
Ten. The Ten Commandments, yes. So probably some of the most revered and well-known and respected words in humankind history, we have God says, in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth. Why not six minutes? Why not six years? Why not six million years? Why not all at once? Well, I can tell you why. The, the concept of a 365-day year establishing Earth's orbiting around the sun, the concept of a day, the Earth turning on its axis, the concept of a week, though, can only be established in God's Word. Why, do the seven, why are we on a seven-day week? Other weeks have been tried. 14-day weeks, 11-day weeks, 10-day weeks. Only one works. I'm telling you, the only answer... It's the same answer I come back to every Sunday. Amen. Only God. That's how they can explain that. God set it up six days and one day of, what's it called? R-E? Something that some people know very little about. Uh, won't mention any names. Uh, but rest. Rest. Did God need to rest? When God made everything by the breath of his power, was he then like only 20% what he had before? He lost no power. See, if, if, I run, if I run from here to the road, I'm going, <laughs> and my breathing, and my, my, my strength has gone down by 30% by going 100 feet. When God created everything, he still had everything, nothing diminished. That's because he's God, and we are not. Back to our text, our real text. First Thessalonians chapter 5, please. I've got 24 pages of notes up here. I'm still on page, I think, 2. So we're going to be here to probably till we'll just preach right on through to the evening service. Just teasing, just teasing. I know. First Thessalonians chapter 5 over here. We find this day of the Lord. Interesting. I hope you have your charts still with you somewhere in your Bible. The day of the Lord would encompass probably from the rapture of the church, at least through the end of the tribulation, possibly some would say all the way through the end of the millennial reign of Christ. And you will see that on your chart. Uh, chart number three, I believe, would be the most uh, clear on that. If you have your chart, that shows more what's going on in the future. By the way, you want, you want to know about America. We have, why are we so stumbling? Someone said that 80% of America is not in church this morning. I read a much dismaler, dismaler statistic. Fewer than 3% of Americans attend church faithfully. Fewer than 3% faithfully attend church. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. But we should, we should be about his business. We should, we should want to do God. We should be want to be right with God. A nation that turns its back on you know what happens to a nation that turns its back on God. Look at America. You have no further than go out your door and look around and read your papers. What happens when a nation rejects the biblical principles of God? We're training our children that they can be transgenderism is okay. Just who do you want to decide to be? The drag queen story hour is okay. I'm telling you, they will say we are grooming your children. You ask the people who are doing that. Listen, you need to, we need to wake, not become woke. We need to wake up Christians. If we don't do something, we just need to stand for what's right. You need to get ready. You need to get your bootstraps on because the time is coming here in our own country. I fear, unless we, sun's change, we're going to really be called on the carpet and we're going to lose a lot of the liberties that we so enjoyed. It's not a mystery. God is judging, I believe, clearly judging America. For 50 years, 51, 50 years, we killed our own children in the womb. You think that's not a heinous 
We say, oh, the, oh, the god Moloch, how terrible that was. They would throw their loving children into the arms of a heated beast. Yes, and we'd kill them before they get out of the womb. It's become the sacrimonial thing of some who say we've got this. It's like, it's like the worst. It's like, it's the, we're going to die on this hill. Yes, we're going to die on this hill. What's going to happen? It's a nation. No one could destroy us from the outside. The greatest nation on earth, the greatest military for a long time. Now we're just simply crumbling from the inside. I like Ken Ham's little picture. What shall we do when the, the, when the foundations are destroyed? What can you do? We can keep turning to God. We're going to crumble, likely. So the word day. The day can mean daylight. It can mean from sun up to sundown. It can mean different things. It can mean a little 24-hour day. It also can mean a period of time. So if I were to say, in the day of my youth, I rode a banana seat bicycle. Now, I rode a banana seat bicycle more than one day. Two or three years, I don't know how many years it was. I rode it. I rode it a long time. The day of my youth, I didn't have but one 24-hour period. It says in Genesis, for example, 2-4. These are the generations of the heaven and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heaven. So it takes those six days and put them into one day phrase. The day of the Lord. So that day means more than, in Genesis 2-4, more than just one 24-hour period. All that to say, finally, we're getting to our day of the Lord in chapter 5, verse 2. Perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Interesting how the day of the Lord sort of mimics like a real day because we have a nice shiny day and then at night it gets dark. We're heading toward the dark of night. Reading the dark of night, and then at the end, at the end, at the end of the tribulation time, there's going to be a time of, of daylight. It comes again. We're going to have a thousand year reign of Christ on the earth, and then right at the end of that thousand year reign, Satan has one more big time, and there's a darkness again, destruction, and then we come up again, and there's a new heaven, a new earth, and then we get to the bottom, and daylight again in the eternal kingdom. Revelation twenty one and twenty two. So the day of the Lord sort of mimics like a real day, light, dark, light, dark, light, dark. We find then, this, uh, not only the length of the day, we find the lament in your outline, the lament of the day. Now, lest anyone think this day of the Lord's ushered in, that everything's going to be rosy, tozy, posy, it's not going to be that. You understand that the uh, day of the Lord, the tribulation period is going to be so terrible, everything else pales has come before that. Now, let me ask you this question, you don't have to answer out loud, but what did Paul use with the Thessalonican believers for them to help them understand the day of the Lord? Did he say, I'm, I'm writing out a scroll right here, and if you just read the scroll, I've written, it's going to become Bible, and people are going to read it for two. Did he say that? No. What did he have? He had what's called the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. 250 B.C. it happens. And so the people of Jesus' era, a lot of them had, did not know how to speak Hebrew, even as Hebrews. So, Israelites, so they had, the Greek language had been pervasive. The culture by Alexander the Great pervaded the area. And so we know that a lot of them, what is the original language of the New Testament? Greek. So they spoke this Koine Greek, and so they wrote the New Testament in Greek. Old Testament, Hebrew. But now the culture has changed 
There's been 400 how many years? 400, what we call those? 400 silent years between the Testaments. And so now the Greek language has taken over. And so that's why we have the original. And by the way, this, the original, this is, this is where, this is where God said what he wanted to say. And it's, it's a, it's a, Amazing that God would give allow us to have even be able to read it. Aren't you glad that there was people who translated it into English for us? It was just amazing. At 1611, we have, by the way, they started translating our, our translation about 1604. Took them all the way to 1611 to finally get it translated. I'm glad they stuck with it and we have a translate. Now, there are other, other things. I'm not going into all that, but there, there is, we have it in our own language, and it was the guy who set up the printing shop, printing shop, the printing press in 1400. The very first thing printed on a printing press was God's Word. So praise the Lord, we have His Word. to re- Now, do you read it? Do you read it? That's the thing. Do you read it? The lament of the day. Now, this day of the Lord, let's, if you'll turn back with me to Joel, please. Joel chapter 2, and we looked at this Wednesday night, but let's read it, just a couple of verses of Joel. Where did he get his understanding of the day of the Lord? No one asked that question, but we're going to answer it, hopefully, for just a moment. And Joel chapter 2, verse 1, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord. Now we have learned, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Yahweh, Jehovah, the Tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H, etc., Yahweh, that is God's name. That's who he is. That's the intrinsic character of who God is. So whenever you see that capital, that's Jehovah. That's God. Is is the Jehovah of the Old Testament, Jesus of the New? Amen. I'll say, is Jehovah of the Old Testament, Jesus of the New? Amen. Yes. <laughs> I want everybody, he is. So don't think that God of the Old Testament is, is the mean, angry God, and the Jehovah, Jesus of the New Testament is only of love. He does love you. He does care for you, but he also is going to come again to rule and to reign. He's the one riding the horse in Revelation 19. He's the one out of whose mouth comes the sword. Jehovah of the old is Jesus of the new. They're the same God. We don't believe in modalism. Modalism believes that there is one God, and sometimes he's the Father, sometimes he's the Son, sometimes he's the Spirit. Modalism, but they're never three altogether. It is the Jesus only teaching, Jesus only Pentecostalism. But the Bible is, we are Trinitarians, not Unitarians. We believe in one God, three persons, all working together in perfect, seamless harmony. That's the only way you can explain in my thinking just now is the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because the Father in heaven, the Son was on the cross. At the baptism, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit comes down as a dove, and Jesus is being baptized. You will not, look, you will not find the word Trinity in the Bible, but the truth of Trinity is there for us. This great day of the Lord is coming. A day of darkness, verse 2. Joel 2.2, a day of the clouds and of thick darkness as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, there hath not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. It's like the worst thing you've ever seen. We have not seen the worst. 
I'm telling you, we have not. The tribulation time is going to come. There's be nothing like it ever, nor will there ever. Matter of fact, Jesus said, if I hadn't shortened the days, no human life would be left at the end of the tribulation time. If I didn't shorten the days, every human gone. That's what he said. So there's not going to be a day like this. Look at Jeremiah 30, verse 7, please. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. This day is going to be unusual. We've had famines and pestilence and earthquakes. We just had an earthquake. Was it Japan had an earthquake this week? Uh, we've had fire. Iceland's had the earthquake, the eruptions, the volcanic eruptions. Listen, I'm telling you, lift up your heads. Our redemption, it would seem to me, is drawing, is drawing nigh. Jeremiah 30, verse 7. Not setting a date, please. By the way, if you find a pastor or a preacher, male or female, run with both hands. If they're setting dates, run as fast as you can. No one knows. You may have remembered Harold Camping in California. In earlier on in the 2000s, he predicted two or three different times the time the Lord would come back. And it really causes a great disservice to Christianity. Because no one knows. Jesus, even in his uh, limit. He said, only the Father knows, so it's, the angels don't know. I'm telling you, if Michael doesn't know, uh, we don't know. I'm just, I'm just, let's leave it at that. If Michael doesn't know, we don't know. Why would you say that? Because does the Bible not say in this same book in 1 Thessalonians, the, vo- the, voice of the trump of God and the voice of the archangel? Who's the only archangel in Scripture that we know for sure? Michael, the archangel. Jeremiah 30, verse 7. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. He, that but he, Jacob, the children of Israel, shall be saved out of it. Daniel 12, 1, please, a few pages over. Daniel 12, 1, several pages over. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Mm, Daniel 12, verse 1, part, the last of the major prophets. There's five major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Daniel 12, verse 1, at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. At that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. It's going to be like never before. I've seen some terrible, you've not seen anything. And praise the Lord, I believe we'll be in heaven during this terrible time called the tribulation period. Purpose, why the tribulation? To bring Israel to himself, to judge the world, and people to be saved. I had that third one in there. There'll be millions, I believe, saved. Israel, number one. Number one thing for the tribulation is about Israel, 70th week of Daniel. Two, to bring judgment on the earth. And three, that there'll be millions yet saved. If you've never heard the true message of the gospel, personally believe you've never heard the true message of the gospel, you've never had a chance to reject the gospel, then you will be, have a chance, I believe, in the tribulation to hear the gospel, if you hear it, and to respond. But I tell you, the time is now. If you knowingly reject God in this era, in this church age, I believe that's it for you. When the price comes back, that's personal feelings. Matthew 24, 21, please. Matthew 24, 21. 2421 of Matthew, again, the Olivet Discourse on the Mount of Olives, 24 and 25 of Matthew. Jesus is the speaker. We are the learners. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. 
I was thinking of just now as I bring up the Holocaust. What a terrible, terrible, heinous thing. But wait just a minute. What about America? 70, I'm guessing 70 million children, at least, probably just in America. Is uh, Jewish people. Is not a life in the womb as valuable as my life or yours? The answer to that question is yes, by the way. God gives you life the moment of conception, and He chooses when that last breath, as His choice, He's the guardian of that. Is, is, uh, is, we're just to trust Him. He is God. We are not. For then shall be great tribulation. Now, if you will notice, in verse 15 of the same chapter, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, chart number three, you will see that happens right in the middle of the tribulation time. And then verse 21, if I'm going to stick with chronology here, for then shall be great tribulation. So I think personally, and Dr. Shelton in your chart there, some would say that all seven years are called the great tribulation. I think likely it's the great tribulation is the last three and a half, but I'm certainly not going to quibble over it. We can certainly be disagreeing on that. It's not a big, it's going to be bad. Some would say that is limited to the last three and a half years. I tell you, the tribulation is going to be great. The whole time is going to be punishment. But you remember at the halfway point, the Antichrist turns on Israel. Instead of being on Israel's side, he breaks that seven-year covenant and he persecutes them mercilessly as well as the Christians. Matter of fact, in chapter 9 of Revelation, I think it indicates that the guillotine will be back in in play uh, during the tribulation time. You can read it for yourself. You just don't want to be here. It's going to be a terrible day. Look at 614 of Revelation, please. 614 of Revelation. I can't believe how fast time goes. Revelation chapter 6, verse 14. We find here... 614, it might have been here that Horatio Spafford was thinking of back uh, when he wrote his beautiful hymn. 614, a revelation. And the heaven departed as a scroll. Not the clouds, but here the heaven departed as a scroll. When it is rolled together, and every mountain and every island were moved out of their places. Wow, what geographical changes. This is just, this is just the... The, the, the seal, the sixth seal judgment. We have the trumpets and the, the vials yet to come. The, there's going to be such a geographical changes on the earth during the tribulation time, 15, and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man. Who is left? Who could be left? There's everybody. What'd they do? They hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the last wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come. And who shall be able to stand? Oh, what is the rhetorical answer to that? Rhetorical means, the obvious answer is, no one. Who shall be able to stand? When God's wrath is poured out, that's why we have been saved from the wrath to come by God's marvelous grace. You do not have to go to hell. You don't have to. If you go there, everybody sounded my voice this morning. If you end up in hell, it's because you rejected the price that was paid at Calvary for you. He gave His life that we might have life everlasting. You don't have to go. You don't, have to be, you don't have to go through the tribulation time. You don't have to suffer through all of that. 
So is the God, Jehovah of the Old Testament, the Jesus of the New? Yes, he is. One more verse and we'll pray. Look at 9.6. Look how bad it gets. Chapter 9, verse 6 of Revelation. This is the world now that has rejected Christ. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. You're going to want to commit those who are here. I'm guessing, I'm reading into that, they want to commit suicide. I want to die. This is so horrible. I think dying would be better. It won't, but I think dying would be better. Can you please somehow, I want to die, please rid me. They can't. If you're here without Christ, why would you even want to risk that? Well, I'll get saved during the tribulation time along with the other million of people. Why would you want to risk that? Why would you want to go through that? He died to redeem you. And I believe that clearly we'll see later on down the road why we believe, I believe, the Bible says clearly in a pre-tribulational rapture of the church. We'll talk about that later on down the road. The length of the day, the lament of the day, the lament of my day is people won't come to God. We've turned our backs as a nation. That's my lament. But this morning, if you don't know Christ, He wants, He's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Would you receive him today? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for your love. A love that's so strong that you came to Calvary to die for us. A love so strong that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And you're not slack concerning your promises but you are long-suffering to usward. So, Lord, we rely upon your word. Matter of fact, as we heard in Sunday school, Lord, your word is the authority for our church. It's authority for any preacher, true Bible preacher. So, Lord, based upon your word, there is a day coming that people should tremble in fear of if they don't know Christ. And there's a day coming that, Lord, we as your people should rejoice we don't have to go through because of your marvelous grace. Lord, we are looking for the upper taker, not necessarily the undertaker. We're looking for you to call us to be yourself, to with yourself. Lord, you always take your ambassador, the people or countries always take their ambassadors home before they declare war. And Lord, we are to be your ambassadors. So may we be about that this week. Lord, if there's a need on hearts, Lord, I pray especially this morning, if there be even one person that just is not sure they're your child, they would get that settled this morning. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.